Welcome to another fun-filled weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Cindy Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan McGee on the IG. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at WARR Media. Videos drop every Monday and Friday. Once again, videos drop Mondays and Fridays right here on YouTube at War Media. You can catch our audio version of this podcast, which drops every Tuesday and Saturday. Once again, every Tuesday and Saturday at War on Anchor. That's you can download War on Anchor. You can we're available on on all podcast platforms as iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio app, all podcast platforms. Wherever you download your podcast, make sure you type in that search engine box W-A-R-R on Anchor. And we're on, on our website is weareregalradio.com, W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. And you can follow us on all social media platforms, including right here on YouTube. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at War Media. Once again, at WARR Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and right here on YouTube. Thank you in advance for your support. Like, like share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Yes, subscribe, subscribe, Scott, subscribe. subscribe. Yes, yeah, that's at WARR Media. And we are unapologetically fun. Lakina, let's get this thing started with some baseball, of course. We would, would be remiss, uh, since we are broadcasting from the state of Illinois in the city of Chicago, that we are fully open now, so uh, capacity limits are over with. You still have to wear your mask at certain public pl places. As a uh, PSA to you guys, especially in the Chicago land in the state of Illinois area where you're watching and listening to us, please carry your mask just in case. Yes. Whether you're vaccinated or not, please carry your mask. Be safe. Take care of yourself, and we'll we'll be just fine. Stay healthy, stay safe. Even though we are fully reopened now, just still stay safe. Take care of yourself. Be respectful of others, and we'll be just fine. Yes. And now we'll get, let's yeah, and we'll get into all the other stuff later about how you know this will affect you know us and and whatnot. So continue. <laughs> Let's kick it off with baseball. As always, Lakina, let's start off with the Southsiders. Uh, the, the Chicago White Sox were 7-2 and in their last home stand uh, against the Detroit Tigers and the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, this weekend, they'll take on the Detroit Tigers for a three-game series uh, in Motown. But first, let's review what happened from earlier this week. Of course, last Sunday, they defeated the Tigers. Uh, to take three out of four in that series. Tony La Russa, we forgot to mention in our last episode, is now the second winningest all-time manager in baseball history. And following that was the series against the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, they take two out of three from the neighbors up north <laughs> with a 6-2 victory, 6-1 six vi victory, 6-2 loss, and then the 5-2 victory last Thursday. Of course, with the, all the good news there that is going on on the south side, Lakina, there were some more bad news. Yours truly was in attendance to witness that, unfortunately, this past Wednesday. Nick Madrigal, uh, the second baseman for the Chicago White Sox, injured his hamstring running down the first baseline during Wednesday night's loss. He's going to be out up to two months. He's on the IL for 60 days. Uh, he did not tear all three tendons of his hamstring. If he did, he would have had surgery right away. 
we'll know in a couple of weeks if he will have, sur- will have surgery or not. Lakina, I've been going back and forth on this for the last couple of days, and I try not to listen to too much radio, especially in this town. Some people can influence others or what they think, and they'll have no logic of what's going on. But let me, let me be very clear here. If, let me repeat, one more again, as the kids mm-hmm. would say, if Magical has to have surgery, he'll be done for the year. I think uh, GM Rick Hahn, who sh- we should give credit to for having uh, so much depth on this team, uh, given all the injuries so far this year. But if Magical has to have surgery uh, that ends his season, Rick Hahn's second priority should be to go get a second baseman. I'm not saying give up a whole far system to go get a second baseman, but you 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 get get a second baseman that's going to fill that void uh, for the rest rest of the season. A second baseman that knows his role, that can get the job done, and he comes cheap. I'm not saying giving up give up the whole far system for this particular second baseman, but uh, get a veteran second baseman that could come in and uh, do their part. I know Danny Mendek, uh, who's going to uh, who's starting right now in place of Magical, I think he's going to do an adequate job. But I know you have him and Leary, not Larry, <laughs> Leary Garcia, who's your um, your multitude player. He can play multiple positions, not just in the infield, but he's your backup outfielder as well. I know he can play some second base. He can fill in for a while, but. If he's your everyday starter, that's not his role. He's going to struggle. We already know that he struggles with the bat already. I know he had that big uh, uh, RBI triple uh, the other night on this past Tuesday to give the Sox a victory over Toronto the first game of that series. But, Lakina, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm on pins and needles because the Sox have done a, a heck of a job. Uh, uh, when one man goes down, uh, the next man steps up. I expect the Sox to still compete. Tony La Russa, uh, you can say whatever you want to about Mr. La Russa, but I still say he's the perfect manager for this ball co- club. They will still compete. They will not quit. They have more than enough talent to get this thing done in terms of winning the division. I still expect this team to compete, but the pressure is on Wick Renghan to make some moves here. Uh, we still have six weeks left, six and a half weeks left until the trade deadline on July 31st. Uh, he, he has some work to do. He knows that and some of you fans need to know that now. And look, as far okay, I'll I'll go with the magical injury first. I mean, I saw the replay of it. It was it looked really bad. He couldn't put any weight on it. He's on a sixty day IL. They're gonna check in after sixty days. I think about like maybe about forty five days to see if he's gonna need surgery. If he doesn't, then they'll just wait it out. If he does have to have surgery, like like you said, say he's gonna be gone for the year. Now the the one good thing is that there's so much depth on this roster that at least mm-hmm. so far it hasn't affected what the other White Sox have been able to do. Look, they beat the teams they were supposed to beat. You know, look, I said that, look, you win, you win two out of three against the Blue Jays, and they did. You know, mm-hmm. the Tigers are, are, are okay, but they're still a years away. They're still, you know, you know, working on something. So you should be able to at least, at least, at the very least, win the series against the Tigers in Detroit. Mm-hmm. But, it, but look, it, after the Tigers series, this is when it gets a little bit more difficult. You have three against the Rays. You host that. Then you have four next weekend against the Astros. They've been playing well lately, mm-hmm. including one of the one of the Saturday games will be a nationally televised game, or at least part of the regional televised game for mm-hmm. next Saturday about this time. So it doesn't get it doesn't get easy for the White Sox. And we're, let, let's see how you know this team is with those teams, those top teams like Tampa and Houston in the AL. Now, as far as the manageable injury is concerned, look, I mean, like I said, it so far hasn't affected you. 
which is good. But again, this mm-hmm. I don't think this team can afford another injury if something happens. What if something happens to Jose Abreu? What if something happens to Tim Anderson? You know, what if something mm-hmm. you know what if something happens to one of your pitchers? I mean, what if you know what if Jolito has an injury or or Lance Lynn? I mean, there's you know the, there's like there's just some injuries look so far so good, but. If you know, should another another pen drop, the other shoe drop for the White Sox, this team is in serious trouble. And, and speaking of injuries, and especially to the pitching staff, Michael Kopech, who's currently on the 10-day IL um, due to a hamstring injury, he's supposed to start a rehab assignment soon. We'll see how how long, how close, uh, excuse me, uh, how close that the he'll be to coming back because the Sox need him uh, in that bullpen right now. Like I mentioned a few minutes ago, I was there on Wednesday night. Lance Lynn pitched. That was the first time I saw – I think technically the second time I saw Lance Lynn's pitch live. And uh, I know our guy Chris Lanuti from the Sox in the Basement Podcast, friend of this show, has been saying all season long, extend him. Maybe – I think the Sox will do it. It's just finding the right time to do it. But I saw Lance Lynn pitch in, in, uh, live uh, for the second time this year. And he looked good. Uh, he he had some troubles uh, um, early in that uh, – in those innings on Wednesday night, but he found a way to get out of them. As we said before, Lance Lane along with Giolito, those two pitchers Tony LaRusso trusts right now to give over a hundred pitches going deep into ball games. Now Lance Lane did not deserve to uh, start. uh, Lance Lane did not deserve that loss. I don't know if you officially got the loss or not, but when Aaron Bummer came in, uh, uh, (laughs) Lakina, I don't want to sound harsh here, Lakina, I know you. Um, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna use this term. I know you didn't say this term, but I'm gonna use this term. Yeah, you know, I'm to be respectful uh, of our program. But I know, you, I know you could say that uh, Liam Hendricks was my quote-unquote whipping boy for the start of the season. Uh, he's been, he is, he is left alone, being left alone right now. He's, do, he's getting the job done. But Aaron Bummer, he still has a uh, great stuff in that bullpen right now. He's just not getting it done. I uh, gave him props in our last episode, but Wednesday was just bad. If you're Tony Larusa, how long do you give him before you say I can't trust you anymore? I would look. I think he can afford if he you know keeps going the way he's going. I think you can probably kind of get him out of there, and because you got look, you have a lot of issues <laughs> with your with your middle relief, so I don't think that you don't want him to kind of be your deterrent. So like there have been questions about that that middle relief, you know. I, look, I I brought it up you know when we, before we before the season started like when we did our preview mm-hmm. I said that that middle relief is going to be an issue for the White Sox and look they've had their moments but sometimes mm-hmm. you know they've given up some big runs and look if you're trying if you're trying to compete not only for the the division but also to try to compete to get to the A to LCS and perhaps maybe your World Series mm-hmm. you're going to have to freshen up your uh, your middle relief and uh, look if I would say maybe wait it out. You're going into June. You're almost halfway through the season now. You could probably maybe mm-hmm. can afford to probably wait a little bit. But if he keeps going the way he's going, then, yeah, maybe Lewis probably should yank him out of there. But I would say just wait. Wait him out. But, you know, like, like I'm not the manager here. So, you know, <laughs> it'll be it, – it's up to Lewis. But, you know, we'll see what he does. You're listening to Second City Sports Weekend Edition along with Lakina McGee. I am Cindy Brown as we talk about – the first place Chicago White Sox in the American League Central. Lakina, speaking of that bullpen, Evan Marshall stepped up the last couple of games during that Toronto series. Also, Garrett Crochet, he's looked good ever since his return from injury. Uh, like I said, I'm like Matt Foster, Cody, Cody Hewer, he's getting some run right now. So, 
those other guys I just mentioned, they don't look so bad. But uh, Aaron Bummer is the weak link right now in the White Sox bullpen. Hopefully we won't have to keep saying this for too long. But uh, that bullpen, uh, it, uh, it needs to be on all cylinders. And GM Rick Hahn, he, he has to be on the phone phones right now looking for that veteran uh, ace uh, reliever. Not, not, not as a closer, but for your middle relief, for your, um, not, not necessarily for a setup role like Aaron Bummer's sli slided right now, but uh, uh, another, another backup setup guy could be uh, something that he looks for. But those I know that are hard to find, just like starting pitching, everybody wants it, but everybody cannot get it. So if you're Rick Hahn, you're looking for one more uh, veteran stud reliever uh, to shore up that bullpen, especially given the struggles of Bummer right now. Yeah, I think that's probably what, Look, luckily, the, the the guys you mentioned have been playing very well, have been pitching well for the White Sox. So it kind of, you know, offsets some of the bad stuff in that bullpen. But I think, like you said, I'm sure. But if you're Rick Hahn, especially if Manigal is out, what's going to be the priority? Mm -hmm. Do you get another bat, especially a left-handed bat? Or do you try Charlie to... Black Blackman sounds nice from Colorado yeah, right about yeah, now. Yeah, but you're probably going to have to give up. A, I'm sure the Rockies are going to have to give up, a, are going to demand a lot for Mr. Blackman. So... That's going to be a name that's going to be flowing, going to be thrown around throughout you know these next few weeks, and or do you try to get a middle reliever? So this is kind of like a that's a tough thing for Rick Hahn. I mean, look, like I said, he's he's good at his job, so I I have no doubts about what he's going to do. But you know that that's definitely going to be the priority here. Do you try to get a left-handed bat or do you try to get a middle relief person? So that's going to be sort of like the 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 catch twenty-two here that Hahn's going to have to figure out. Yeah, and can you do both? Uh, I know it's still early, early in June. We're almost at the middle of the month. But uh, like you said, this team has a little bit of more time. I think those questions will be answered by the time we end the month of June, which is more important, uh, that extra mill reliever, which Rick Hahn will probably end up looking for as we speak anyway, uh, can, or, is it, or is there another bet? I think it will, uh, as far as the bet is concerned, even though Luis Robert is, is technically on the 60-day DL. It depends on the timetable when he comes back, if he comes back, or Eloy Jimenez. Who, me personally, I believe he's going to come back sooner than uh, Luis Robert. That's just my gut feeling. If Luis, uh, if, sorry, if Eloy Jimenez can come back sometime after the trade deadline around August, by the time that Cubs series uh, kicks off in Wrigley in August, that, that would be great. It's almost like adding an extra bet at the trade deadline. Yeah. So the Sox will have, uh, uh, you have your star stud uh, slugger back, and you'll have some decisions to make. But like you said, that's GM Rick Hahn's job and manager uh, Tony LaRusso's job to figure those things out. But the Sox, this, anyway, this is kind of a good promise to have right now. Like you mentioned, they cannot afford any more major injuries to their stars. But uh, if the things stay the Stay the way they are, and they keep just taking series, taking series. You go have a quote unquote good problems on your hands come July 31st. We'll see what the White Sox do. Okay, so still, let's go to the north side for a second. Um, the, you know, the Cubs had a pretty, a pretty solid, you know, West Coast trip. I mean, three and four, and I think considering everything else, I mean, that's actually a good record if you're if you're the Cubs. You know, you got the you go three and four against you know two of the toughest teams in the National League West. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, you lose a series. You know, you lose three out of four to the Giants, but you do rebound and win two out of three. 
against the Padres. And look, you know, your pitching was really solid and you know, the other hitting has been very timely. Patrick Wisdom, you know, the wor- words of wisdom. From Mr. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, we're trying to play That should be things. a t-shirt. <laughs> that should be a t-shirt though. Look, you guys, look, you guys, look, Wrigley's fully, fully at capacity now. So you guys, you know, maybe, maybe we get mm-hmm. uh, Xiang, Book Xiaomi and a uh, JD to uh, wear those shirts. You know, that'd be pretty cool. But, uh, but I think, look, they're, as of this recording, they're tied with the Brewers in the NL Central. Mm-hmm. So look, I think look, you you tr- look. I mean, the Cubs tried, you know, cried poor early in the year, but now mm-hmm. with every everybody, you know, is full capacity now. We're going to have about sixty thousand for your series against the Cardinals this weekend, which yeah. is perfect timing for that. Now you'll be able to get some money. You'll get the marquee network. You know, you'll be able to get some money. They'll be able to probably maybe get another pitcher, perhaps maybe another mm-hmm. batter. That way you don't have to. Maybe you don't have to don't have to touch your farm system. You know, I know they just reloaded, so I'm 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 assuming they're not going to want to touch any of those guys. But so, but what do you think, Sid? Oh, the Cubs uh, survived uh, the San Diego series with, with with a good starting pitching with Jake Arrieta during uh, during Wednesday's win. Of course, Zach Davies. I don't think he's a long term answer, but he gave you enough to um, to qualify for the win uh, the day before. Now Monday's game, they did not look good. But as you mentioned, they took care of business against San Diego. They're done with them for the year. They took five out of six from what most people consider them at least no worse than a playoff team. Some people consider them the NL West champs. But uh, the Cubs did salvage that road trip. It could have looked a whole lot worse. As we said before, guys, the Cubs and the Cardinals will battle it out for the NL Central title. Do the Cubs have, have an equal chance like the Cardinals do? Yes. Will they pull away? We shall we shall see. But as, as I said before, before the season started, the Milwaukee Brewer, Brewers, and we'll talk about them in a minute, they're the wild card in this division. They still a couple of games out as, as of this recording, so they're not going away either. Yeah, and I think that's good. Look, we said this when we did our divisional breakdowns that no one's going to pull away from this division. I know the Cardinals were this consensus pick, but look, we said before, you know, their pitching has been an issue for them, and that unfortunately that's been the case um, you know, look, 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 everyone's pretty even at division, you know, for the most part. You probably say the Cubs, Cardinals, and Brewers and that, you know, you pick whatever order you want. So we'll just, mm-hmm. we'll see what all three of these teams decide to do, you know, during the trade, you know, before the trade deadline. But, I mean, like, I think if you're, look, considering that people thought that the Cubs were going to be, like, going to be selling everybody, a lot of people thought, you know, early in the year, now look at them. You know, they're, they're 35 and 27 as this recording. They're tied for a mm-hmm. National League central lead with the Brewers. So, you know, I, I think, look, if you're, if you had your doubts about the Cubs early this season, I mean, look, Jeff Passon said they're, they're going to be buyers in the trade deadline. So considering where they were, that's a, that's a pretty good spot if you're a Cubs fan right now. Yeah. We talked about this in our last episode, uh, GM Jed Hoyer, he was on uh, the 670, the score of uh, sports radio, Chicago sports radio, uh, doing one of their baseball shows last weekend. He talked about, uh, perhaps being buyers at the trade deadline. Does he have the green light from the Ricketts family to go, excuse me, make some acquisitions is from the sounds of his voice and the tone of that interview. Uh, the answer is yes. So like you mentioned, Lakina, the Wrigley's at full capacity um, starting this weekend against the Cardinals. Of course, the White Sox will have their full capacity on June 25th. But back back to the Cubs, uh, they have more than enough resources to go get players. Should they be uh, should they stay in this division, which I think they will. And so, as we talked about it before, they need another starting pitcher. Where you're going to get that from? I don't know. Uh, they could use another bat, 
uh, especially consider what you have in your outfield. Jack Peterson had a nice start to the season. He cooled off. He was injured for a few weeks, but now he's back. Jason Hayward, he's an older player, but because of that contract, no one wants it, so you stuck with him. Ian Happ has been okay, but, you know, you, you need other guys to step up. I know Javi's going to be there. Uh, Chris Bryant, who, who made a great catch in last Sunday's victory at San Francisco. Uh, he's still a better third baseman to me, but I know why manager David Ross puts him out there to save his legs, uh, you know, playing third base all the time. So to keep him fresh, and I get that. You still have Anthony Rizzo, which we'll get to um, uh, uh, more with him in just a minute. He made some uh, big waves on a radio station here in Chicago uh, on Friday. We'll talk about that in a minute. But you still have Rizzo. Uh, he's still coming up with huge hits. So this Cubs team, if they could just catch fire offensively, I think they'll be fine, but it says starting pitching is going to be um, the turning point of where this Cubs team is headed for this season. The bullpen we've talked about in the, in the last few weeks, Lakina, they've been just about lights out. Can they be yes. like that all season? No. No. But uh, 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 they, all they have to do is just be good enough, and the offense supports them, and they'll be okay. Close to Craig Kimbrough has been tremendous this year. Should he be uh, considered for the all-star team? I think so. Yeah, I think he's more than so, earned. I think he's more earned that right too. He hasn't, you know, I think he's only given like like what three runs, you know, this season, mm-hmm. and so, I I mean, look, I, I think he's more than earned the right to be an all star. And look, the Cubs got a very tough schedule, you know, after you know the Cardinals series this weekend, he got four in New York against the Mets. You got three against Miami. You should be able to win that series. They got two against Cleveland. He helped the White Sox out there. You got to go at Los Angeles for four. Then you got Milwaukee for three in Milwaukee. Then you got to play Cincinnati. Then you get four against the Phillies. And then you finish up, you know, before you're also right against the Cardinals. So not a very easy schedule if you're the Cubs. But if you can get to at least 500, just, you know, look, I know Mm -hmm. it's going to be hard to win some of those series. But if you could just split with the Mets, split with the Dodgers, split with the Phillies, Mm-hmm. And win the series that you, you could win. You should be able to sweep the Reds. You should be able to sweep the Marlins, or at the very least, win those series. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll be in a pretty good spot. Yeah, same with the Phillies as well. And so, like you said, just take care of your business against some 500 teams. You got to be competitive against the teams that are equal or better than you. That's the goal. If as long as the Cubs have that frame of mind, they come out and play hard every day, it should be no problem. Because as we said before, and we'll keep saying it again, yes. uh, the NL Central is up for grabs. And as of right now, no one's running away from it. Absolutely. No, no, away with it, I should say. No, I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, we knew what you were saying, Sid. Um, <laughs> so let, let's get to it. I don't want to spend too much time on this because I just think that it's just silly. Um, Anthony Rizzo made his weekly appearance on Cap and Hood on ESPN Chicago. He, you know, they, you know, Cap asked him, David Kaplan asked him, you know, are you vaccinated? He said, no, you know, I talked to my doctor. He said, I talked, I talked to my doctors. And he said the best best for me not to get vaccinated. And, you know, of course, how social media is people, some people, you know, lost their minds. You know, people say, oh, well, he should be traded or he should, he's canceled or blah, blah, blah. Like, oh God, like I can't do this anymore. Uh, But, (laughs) but, um, but look, I mean, look, it's his choice. People, I think people need to remember that it's his choice. And plus also mm-hmm. too, he's a cancer survivor. So I'm sure, I know some people, some people will say, well, maybe that's why you should get vaccinated because he's a cancer. No, no, he shouldn't. Cause you don't look, we don't know what the long-term effects are going to be with these vaccines. Mm-hmm. You don't know. And look, they're already saying that you may have to take it a booster shot like you do with the flu vaccine. So, 
for people that are saying that, well, how dare he or vaccine shaming him, people just need to chill, okay? It's his decision. Mm -hmm. It's his business. And look, if he thinks that's the best decision for him, look, we should, no one should be, you know, yelling at him and getting on him about it. It's, look, it's his choice. It's fine. You don't want, if you don't want people to, you know, vaccine, you know, shame you in any way, don't shame him anyway. That's all I got to say about it. Sid, go. <laughs> <laughs> he just pretty much said the words out of my mouth, but I always say this as far as social media is concerned. You take things with a grain of salt. Some people are on there to troll. Some people are there just to be honest about their opinions. And so I, I shouldn't take things too seriously. And some things you just roll your eyes at and go on about your business. As far as uh, the Anthony Rizzo interview was concerned, I was driving around. I happened to catch part of the interview, and I caught that part when David Kaplan asked him that question, did you get vaccinated? And Rizzo said no. And I said, uh, the, uh, and, and David Kaplan asked a question uh, about uh, if a player on your team was not your, one of your teammates. I'm just paraphrasing here. If uh, one of your teammates uh, wasn't vaccinated, he, he happened to catch COVID-19, you guys going down a stretch to to clinch the division or clinch the playoff spot, and that guy will had to miss some time. Uh, what would you do? And, and of course, Rizzo uh, uh, went and explained that we had to march on and things along that line. But he, uh, he explained the process himself and said, you know, it was a decision that he and his family made, and he decided not to get it. For those of you that are trying to uh, shame people and getting vaccines, worry about yourself, okay? As I said at the beginning of the program, take care of yourself. The only person you can control is yourself. And so, whether you get the vaccine or not, Take care of yourself. That's the number one message that we want to spread on this show. Hopefully, this is the last time we have to discuss this. I, I hope First, so, it was too. LeBron James. Now, it's Anthony Rizzo. Hopefully, yeah. it's no one else next. <laughs> yeah, so, please. Leave those professional athletes alone. They're taking care of themselves. They're doing it for them, not for you. Exactly. Thank you. And on that note, you listen to Second City Sports, along with Sydney Brown, I'm Lakina Minky. Okay, so let's go back to on the field now with baseball. What impressed yeah. you so far this week? Uh, Garrett Cole. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I watched that game. <laughs> yes, I watched that game specifically in its entirety via my mm -hmm. computer. Uh, <laughs> Wednesday, the Yankees and the Twins. Uh, thank you, Yankees, for taking care, care of the Twins for us, uh, mm -hmm. speaking of us as White Sox fans. Uh, Garrett Cole, before the game on Wednesday, said that he didn't know anything about uh, the foreign substances, which Major League Baseball is trying to crack down on with these pitchers, using them, you know, things like that has been around the yeah. game forever. Yes. Uh, Gary Cole uh, was just going around. Uh, he looked like a deer in headlights. He's like, it's been around <laughs> for a long time. And, of course, you know, he was part of that team with the Astros uh, that were in the World Series a couple of years ago. I believe it was part of the uh, championship team yes. in 2017. So yes, I know that's why some people were speculating about him because, uh, you know, some of those players on those teams were mm -hmm. caught cheating as well. Yeah. <laughs> But he kind of danced around the bush, and um, he looked like a deer in headlights, of course, uh, before the game on Wednesday as well. Twins third, Minnesota Twins third baseman Josh Donaldson basically yes. uh, called him out in, in the media. Of course, uh, mm -hmm. during uh, the first uh, played appearance for Donaldson on Wednesday, where the Garrico picked up the victory and the Yankees picked up the victory, during Donaldson's first played appearance, after, uh, Garrico st struck him out. And I don't know if you caught this, but Garrico gave him the rolling of the eyes, like, oh, yes. sit your ass down. <laughs> yes, 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 I did. I was like, yep, I mic did. drop. Yes. Whatever else you say, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. 
go sit your tail down. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it, it's just crazy that because you're seeing, we're seeing a lot more strikeouts. We're seeing a lot more, you know, mm -hmm. balls and strikes being called. And I think that's why people are wondering, you know, home runs are down. So that's what people are saying. Is it because of the pitchers putting those foreign substances, like you said, that've been around mm -hmm. for like a hundred years? And now everybody, you know, <laughs> is getting upset. You don't say. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, look, look, I think Garrett Cole kind of covered it for everybody. He said, look, look what, what, mm -hmm. what, 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 what am I, like, what, what's this is, like, I've been doing this my whole career. So, like, mm -hmm. and, and what, and what. So, I think that's what I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Of course, you know, you can look at the comments mm -hmm. on YouTube. But, you know, that's, I'm paraphrasing what he said. But, yeah, I mean. I mean, look, I think that if, if, if they want to, if MLB wants to outlaw this, I mean, go ahead and do it. I mean, there are going to be a lot of teams, though, that who are more pitching oriented, they're going to really, they're not going to, they're going to be hurt by this. So if they are want to outlaw these foreign substances in the gloves and stuff and the balls, I would say might as well just do it. If not, stop, you know, trying to make this into a big issue because, this has been around forever. So if you want more home runs, then maybe you might have to think of something else. <laughs> I don't know if you caught the interview, Lakina. I was listening to the odd couple on Fox Sports Radio this past Thursday. Uh, Mitch Williams, uh, for those of you uh, uh, listening and living here in Chicago, yes. uh, he was a one-time uh, Chicago Cubs pitcher and closer. Uh, he was part of that 89 team that won that old NL East. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, he was talking with uh, Rob Parker and Chris Broussard. Uh, he, he said this. And I think he summed it up perfectly. He used to be on the MLB Network. I wish he was on there now, but yeah, that's a whole other issue. That's another. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole other thing. But yeah, we won't get yeah. into that. <laughs> but uh, he said this, and I quote, even though I'm paraphrasing the best way I, I can. Um, he said that uh, Major League Baseball is using the pitchers as an example to try to clean up the game. Mm -hmm. And I say he, he's absolutely yeah. right. Were people were people actually complaining and moaning about pitchers? <laughs> Lakina, like they were in the 90s with these hitters oh, during no. the steroid era, the Steroids, late 90s exactly. into the early 2000s. Yeah. Were people complaining about pitchers like that? I don't remember. I, 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 that's now, I, unless I, you know something, I don't know. Help I don't me out know. here. I must say, yeah, I, I, I never, I never <laughs> saw, I never saw anybody complain about that. You know, it didn't become a really big issue since everybody else started making it a big issue. So I don't know why this being, you know, this issue, this, this is now, but. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know. Look, baseball always – baseball seems to amaze me. It's just absurd that some of the stuff that, you know, people try to do and people try to outlaw, it's just mm – -hmm. I just find it hilarious at this point. <laughs> yeah, cheating is just as old as the world's oldest profession. I'm trying to keep it clean for the kids since we're mm -hmm. on YouTube. But mm -hmm. if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> cheating is just as old as the world's oldest profession, and I'm <laughs> not going to say that word. <laughs> yeah, I'll say don't you say that word because we're going to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so, like you said, for people that are surprised by it, you don't know what you're talking about. You if you claim that you know the game of baseball, you <laughs> thank know you. Baseball, exactly. So, but but you know, <sighs> speaking of pitching, you know, you know, good pitching. You know, Walker Bueller is now unbeaten his last 21 start with, yeah. with the win against against the Pirates a couple of days earlier this week. You know, he ties Clayton Kershaw and Julio Urias for the longest such streak by a Dodgers pitcher since the team moved to Los Angeles in 58. So a very <laughs> impressive run he's been on. Also, too, the, the Dodgers are like they're starting to heat up again. So as of this recording, they're only one and a half out in the NL West with the Giants. Shehe Shehe Otani, you know, like continues to pitch lights out, you know, 470. I, I think it's, I don't think they have found that ball yet that he hit against the, against the Royals. <laughs> I don't think they, they found it yet. You know, it's the longest home run and the longest, 
by uh, Angels players since, of course, Mike Trout, you know, just a couple of years ago. Also against the Royals. So um, I think the Royals may have to, you know, kind of straight on their head. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, but look, just, just some great things that are going on. I mean, if you look at the standings right now, I mean, again, as of right now, I mean, no one's really run away from any of their divisions just yet. I mean, everybody's still within striking distance. I won't go through the, the division, but, you know, but no one's really run away from it. So if, if anything, do you think that is there like a team that can kind of like make that move right before the trade deadline for the All-Star breaks it? I think the team that needs to make a move, and I think been hitting at it for the last couple of weeks, is the New York Yankees. Yeah. Of course, uh, I watched some of that series against uh, the Twins uh, from this past week. Of course, I don't know if you checked out Thursday's uh, series finale, uh, yeah, Walters Chapman. <laughs> They're not even recording out. Minnesota <laughs> came back. Uh, came back from a two-run deficit to beat the Yankees seven to five. Yeah, so uh, Nelson Cruz hit a two-run homer to clinch it for the Twins. Of course, um, not Josh Donaldson. It was Josh Donaldson that tied it, and then Nelson Cruz won it with another two-run homer. And so uh, the Yankees have um, – they need another reliever. Uh, they need another starting pitcher to Corey Kruber returns. He's out with, with a shoulder injury for two months. They didn't need another bat. Aaron Hicks, their center fielder, is out yes. for the year. Uh, John Carlos Stanton, uh, he hit a monster home run the other night. He had two of them in that game, uh, which Garrett Cole pitched. Those balls are still going yes, out of the yard, so if you ask yet. me. But, but you know, with him, it's always, uh, can he stay healthy? And same with Aaron Judge. When both of those guys are healthy, the Yankees lineup is unstoppable. You have Gary Sanchez as well, uh, your starting catcher for that team, for the Bronx Bombers. So uh, the question is, can you use, uh, can those guys stay healthy? Uh, they can use another bet right now. I know Clint Frazier is off and on right now, but they can use another bet. So I'm not counting the Yankees out just yet. I know Boston uh, is still out there. I know they had trouble with the Astros this past week, but I don't know if I'm still a believer in them just yet. They have enough offense, but I don't like their – Pitching, especially they starting set. Yeah. Uh, Tampa Bay is leading the division. Uh, I didn't think they would be this good this year, despite training Blake Snell in the offseason to San Diego. Give Kevin Cash their manager credit. And so Tampa Bay is more than a competitor. They lead in that division. Will they say that? We, sh- we shall see. But that's going to be a dog fight as well in the AL East. Well, speaking on the flip side, to the NL East, I mean, no one wants to win the division, apparently. I think, like, everybody's – we're doing a potato <laughs> here. Um, look, I know the Mets are leading right now, but – you know, they, they lost, I think they lost, like, I think they split the series. And also, too, um, the, look, the Phillies are right there. They won two out of three against Atlanta. Mm. All, Big all- setback for the Braves, yeah, uh, especially setback. Thursday's game. They came back and tied yeah. it with the that Freddie Freeman home run. I was watching that live via my computer. Uh, <laughs> they took the lead in extra innings in the 10th inning. Of course, Philadelphia came back and won, uh, took advantage of a couple of Braves' mistakes. But that was a huge setback for Atlanta. Philadelphia, I don't know what to make of them. Uh, you think this team would take uh, what? Yeah, but don't I don't know. That. <laughs> like I, mean, I said, the, Met, the, the, the Mets as well. I know they got a big series against the San Diego Padres yep. this weekend. I know Jacob DeGrom is supposed to pitch the opener. We'll review the, uh, that series uh, in our next episode. But the, the Mets have a huge series this weekend, as I mentioned, against the Padres before hosting the Cubs before next week. So uh, this is a, a, a trying time coming up for them as well. And also, too, I think, like, they all of them, like, play each other with, like, the next couple of weeks before, right before the All-Star break. So, 
like I said, no, like the, like the NL Central, no one's going to run away from the NL East. I mean, I don't think, I don't trust the Mets. I don't, other than DeGrom, like, I don't know, I don't know which Mets team am I going to get. Are they going to get the, the, the team that made a couple of errors earlier this week? Are we going to get the, the team that totally dominated their last <laughs> year? So I, I, I don't know. So look, I mean, the, the East is going to be very interesting. I think, look, the Central, of course, is going to be very interesting. Look, the NL West, I mean, look, I think no one really expected the Giants to still be up there this late, this, well, not late, but still, like, you know, mm-hmm. in this juncture of the season. But, look, it's good. Look, these divisions are going to be very competitive, and I think, look, no one's running away from these, and we'll be interested to see who ends up being buyers and sellers in the trade deadline. Yeah, it shall be interesting. Lakina, before we move on to the NBA playoffs, uh, we didn't discuss this topic in our last episode. Uh, of course, if you guys listen to us uh, on Saturday, which just drops, which is today, tonight the Chicago Cubs will play the St. Louis Cardinals on Fox, <laughs> and they'll debut those terrible-ass, oh, bar-cheap, oh, <laughs> third no. Nike City Connect Wrigleyville jerseys. <laughs> I, I know mean, for some of you can yell at me, say, oh, so you're being a meatball Sox fan, so it's this issue for you to bash the Cubs. Oh, you're just a meatball Sox fan. I'm trying to be as fair and objective as possible, given the Nike City Connect jerseys. The, the White Sox ones, we didn't talk about it, but we'll talk about it now. The White Sox ones, South Side, the black, it has the stripes, solid. No, I haven't got mine yet. I will get one soon. Trust me. But the South Side ones for the White Sox, solid. And, I, and they'll, uh, they'll be wearing those uniforms um, – uh, the next few uh, few games throughout the season, at least for the rest of this season. Should they keep them permanently? Yes. But the Southside uniforms for the White Sox, they look great. Like I said, I'm going to get mine soon. But who the hell thought about the design for, for the Cubs? Uh, now, the hat that the Cubs have to go with those, yeah, those Wrigley Field jerseys. Those are good. Now, now, those, those they got right. Yeah. Now, if I was a Cubs fan, I'd buy the hats. The jerseys, no way. Well, like I, I said, Wrigleyville is not a neighborhood. I understand yeah. that they was trying to represent the whole north side, but Wrigleyville is still a section on the north side. It doesn't well, represent all the north side. It doesn't. Well, and also, too, there's no Wrigleyville. That, that, that's what people need to remember. <laughs> I think people forget about Thank that. You. I mean, there is no Wrigleyville. I mean, I always I, I said, look, the, commercial, the, the video was cool. It's about a two, three minute, about a two and a half, three minute mm-hmm. video. So the video was really cool. They said, look, you know, whether you are a Southsider or a Northsider, there, we know that there are a lot of Cubs fans who are Southsiders. But yeah, I mean, the mm-hmm. Wrigleyville, like the colors were cool, but like the Wrigleyville thing, they just said, maybe, they just said like maybe like Clark and Addison or something like that, or Addison Clark or something, or maybe, maybe they just mm-hmm. said like, you know, like, you know, you know, like maybe like Wrigley Field or something, you know, have, you know, make sure have the friendly confines somewhere in the design of the shirt. That's really on the, who oh, yeah, good, yeah, have friendly confines. Yeah, I mean, look, I would have been okay with that if you didn't want to go with the whole north side thing, which yeah. I think they should have, but I'm sure, I'm sure they, some of the higher ups said we want to do away with the north side thing. Yeah, if that was Be the case inclusive. and not trying to keep it and be inclusive, I get it. Yeah. But just put Wrigley Field, Wrigleyville on it. No. Yeah. Now you could have said friendly in the confines. Yeah. That would have been okay with that. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah, but that, that's who whoever designed the shirts. I think that's probably why they did what they did. I mean Look, yeah, I just think that the colors were cool. That the, the you know that the, the writing wasn't very good. Although the video the video was really, you know, looked really cool. Mm-hmm. So you know, I thought the video was nice. And look, I think, look, I understand why these city, look, every team is going to be doing this, the city type jersey. So 
know, this is going to be a Chicago. The Boston ones don't look too bad, at least the colors no. anyway. Yeah, the colors. Yeah, you the know, they're honoring the victims of the Boston yeah. Marathon happened back yeah. in 2013. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's commendable that they're doing that. But yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. look, every, look, every team is going to be doing this. I think, I think the Los, I think Los Angeles, I think their teams are going to be coming out with some, I think theirs, like within the next week or two. So, I mean, look, these are city jerseys. So, like, yeah, look, I think get the younger people to wear them. It's fine. Like, I, it's okay. Yeah, I know the White Sox debuted theirs a couple of weeks ago. Before we move on, I know the White Sox debuted theirs a couple of weeks ago against the Tigers. And I don't know if you checked out some of the pictures around social media, Lakino. Of course, as of right now, you can buy uh, the Southside jerseys on uh, at Grandstand, mm-hmm. and of course, you can buy them inside the ball inside the ballpark at I think Chicago Depot, whatever. Or of course, you can go to the team's website and I think pre-order them. So I know they uh, I know they did this on purpose. They had a limited edition of those jerseys. I, I don't know if you saw it on social media. I know I did. Yeah, I uh, saw. Before the game Saturday, Grandstand, uh, you know, there's a few blocks west of the ballpark on 35th. It was a line around the block and then some uh, to wait for those fans waiting for that store to open to grab their jersey. So I know they got the jersey as well, jerseys as well. Of course, if you watch a YouTube, I'm wearing my Dustin Buffalo mm-hmm. Blackhawks one from a decade ago. Mm-hmm. But th- those are going to go next as well. But those outside jerseys, are they're going to be uh, selling for a long time, so especially if this team wins. Uh, it's going to be selling a whole lot more. So uh, we just brought that up because we forgot to bring it up in our last episode, of course. To, uh, um, the Cubs uh, will debut their Wrigleyville jerseys tonight on Fox when they yep. take on the Cardinals. Like I said, the Jackie Robinson uh, jerseys that those young men wore a few years ago, they look better in these jerseys you'll see tonight <laughs> with the Cubs. <laughs> oh, well, you know, the, the blue, I think, is probably what's going to be able to mm-hmm. set apart. So, all right, this is Second City Sports along with Sydney Brown. I'm Lakina McGee. Okay, so let's go to the NBA playoffs. We're down to the conference. Yeah, let's discuss the Eastern Conference, at least, to wrap up this segment. Okay, sounds good. Okay, so let's start off with first with the the Philadelphia 76ers and the Atlanta Hawks. Assuming as of this recording, once once it gets dropped, you know, game three will already be played. So, you know... Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe the Sixers will be up to one. We don't know at this point, but uh, again, you know, mm-hmm. tomorrow is game four. And what do you think about that series so far? I think, I think the last, I think the last game, game two kind of showed you why like the, the Sixers are the number one seed in the East. I think, what do you think? Yeah, they had a bounce back performance. They had a strong start to game two. I did check uh, most of that I, out live via my television. <laughs> uh, Joel Embiid had a, had a game of his life, scoring 40 points, grabbing 32 rebounds. Uh, Trey Young, had, he had 21 and 11. Uh, he struggled in the second half. But Shake Milton, he had a four or five from downtown for Philadelphia. He was the guy that came through. He had three three-pointers in that fourth quarter alone um, for Philadelphia to pull that game away. You, you give Atlanta credit for hanging in there in that first half, but Philadelphia turned it on at the end of the third quarter, and, of course, they owned the fourth quarter. Uh, Joel Embiid, uh, he has to keep his head in the game. He's been doing a great job of that all season long. But him and uh, Danilo Garonari, yes, the brother with the bad mohawk for the Hawks, uh, uh, they got into it. Uh, Embiid was very lucky he didn't get kicked out of that game or else uh, Philadelphia would be trailing 0-2 in this series right now. And so go down to uh, Atlanta. Hopefully, if you're uh, if you're uh, Philadelphia, you can get both those games. But realistically, I, uh, when we come back here in our next episode for Tuesday, I think it's going to be a two-two series. That was a bigger game for uh, 
for Philadelphia on this past Tuesday. They did what they had to do. Atlanta already did what they had to do still game one. Philadelphia needed to respond in game two, and they did just that. Yeah, and they they really did. And I think, look, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't surprised. I was a little bit, it was, we were all surprised at what happened in game one. They might have, I think Atlanta might have caught Philly off guard. I think that's probably what happened. But look, I think, mm-hmm. look, I think the, you know, Philly was able to kind of get their back in, you know, back into it, you know, and be have 40 points leading the way. So, I think, look, I think they're starting to kind of like right the ship here if you're Philly. You don't want to give the Hawks any sort of momentum or any like your confidence mm-hmm. that they can win the series. So if you want to put it in the way, try and do it. I mean, they just have a better supporting cast than you know, the Hawks do. I mean, look, Trey Young struggled a little bit. I know Gallinari led the way for them, but. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't really, he doesn't do that very often. So I'm not, I don't really trust him too much. You know, you know, Capella didn't have a good game either in game two. So, I, I mean, I, I kind of feel like this is kind of like, I think I, I have Sixers in, in five. I think I'll, I'll say that. I mean, Milton had 14 out the bench. He could be that, that guy, but still, Danny Green needs to step up. And also Ben Simmons needs to step up. He had his struggles, but mm-hmm. he played 35 minutes and only scored four points. That's not going to do it if you're trying to win, especially if you've got to beat the Nets. We'll get to them in a second. But yeah. you have to, look, you have to step up if you want to try to, you know, make it make it to the, the Eastern Conference mm-hmm. Finals. And perhaps maybe we'll see. We'll talk about the Nets series in a bit. But if you want to try to, like, you know, get to the, to the finals, the NBA finals, you got to do better than that, Ben Simmons. You got to. And, and I'm surprised that more people aren't really getting on him about it. But I, I don't see why they're not. <laughs> especially being a uh, a the Philadelphia being a passionate and fiery sports town that it that it is, uh, yeah. I'm surprised as well. But uh, before we move on to the other series in the Eastern Conference, did you check out Clint Capelli? Like you said, he didn't have the greatest game too. But did you check out his post to dunk on, on Embiid yes. with that alley oop from Trey Young? <laughs> yeah, uh, that that was a very good dunk, even though he didn't catch it cleanly. But uh, Embiid said, "That's enough of this." He yeah. uh, elbowed him on the next play, moved him out the way like a five year old child had dunked on him. So yeah, and uh, we'll, uh, those two will go at it again this weekend in Atlanta. We'll talk about it in our next episode. Um, mo- moving on to the um, last uh, series in the Eastern Conference, the Milwaukee Bucks in the Brooklyn Nets. Of course, Brooklyn took care of home court, um, um, winning the first two games of that series. Yep. This past uh, uh, this past Thursday, the Milwaukee Bucks finally get back into the series with an 86-83 win. Kevin Durant led Brooklyn with 30 points, 11 rebounds, while Chris Middleton uh, led Milwaukee with 35 points and 15 rebounds. Lakina, mm-hmm. I was, after the Sox game, I was flipping between that and the Sox game. I was actually trying to watch both at once, but uh, I, had, I was concentrating more on the Sox game. But after the Sox game, I watched the most of that second half. That fourth quarter was ugh. I know. Yeah, <laughs> no, that, that fourth quarter was ugly to watch. It, even in today's NBA, it was a lack of scoring, turnovers galore, uh, mental breakdowns. I, I, that, let's be honest here. Brooklyn deserved to lose that game. I... Milwaukee barely did enough to survive. Uh, uh, kudos to them. Like I said before, Brooklyn has a series in six, and I still expect that result to turn out that way. But did you check out that last play? Yes, yes. Uh, Kyrie Irving and Bruce that. Brown uh, yeah, collided. Bruce Brown picked up the ball. Um, uh, he did uh, what he had to do and drive the ball to the basket. The lane was right over for him. He missed it. But Kyrie Irving, you got to know better than that. 
Because I don't well, blame Bruce Brown on that. I blame Kyrie. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Well, I think they're both to blame because you, you have you have Kevin mm-hmm. Durant on your on one side, you have Kyrie over on the other side. But you know what? Like, you know what? What the hell? I'll, I'll shoot it myself and miss it terribly. So I don't look. I don't really defend Kyrie a lot, but in this case, I am going to mm-hmm. defend him because those last couple of possessions by Brown, he it just like I'm, I'm surprised yeah. they didn't slap that slap the mess out of him after the game. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not like I'm not look. I'm not advocating violence, but I'm saying <laughs> that you know. If you're the Nets, you let that game slip away. You you had a chance at a 3-0 lead. Look, True Holiday, I think, showed you why he's actually one of the top, you know, utility guys in the league. Had, you know, shot a jumper, the go-ahead jumper, the kind of, you know, sealed that, you know, the lead and the win for the Bucks. But, look, mm-hmm. if you're the Nets, you let a chance of getting a three, of mm-hmm. go, take a 3-0 lead slip away. And look, I think Brown, look, he had 16 points. I understand why he did it. You know, he you know, he had the hot hand, you know, kind of, but you still, you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Like, yeah, I, I'll take my chances with either one of them than with you. I know you were trying to be the hero, but in this case, you, you just, you just got to use common sense. Yeah, <laughs> you summed it up perfectly. Uh, of course, game four will take place tomorrow from Vice Surf Arena, which is Sunday uh, in Milwaukee. That's at 2 o'clock Chicago time on ABC. Lakina, do you think that the Milwaukee Bucks will have a chance to tie this series up, or do you think Brooklyn will have enough mustard to steal a game in Milwaukee? I, look, I think look, I think the Bucks are going to feed off that crowd. That, that crowd was nuts up in Milwaukee, so I don't think they're going to feed mm-hmm. off that. But... Again, I wouldn't be surprised if the Nets are not in a very good mood and probably feel like they probably should have won game three. And they think they, they, if they turn out to be the, you know, the game we saw in game two, it, it, the series might be over with. I, I honestly don't know. We'll see tomorrow. Like I said, I had Brooklyn in six, so, and but I have the uh, Bucks winning tomorrow. So uh, that's my prediction. Uh, this first segment of Sick and City Sports Ooh. has come to a close. On the flip side, we'll discuss both Western Conference series as we continue our coverage of the NBA playoffs. There's Denver and Phoenix, and that's the Clippers and the Jazz. Of course, we'll also get into the Canada College Football Playoff Expand before 2025. And two former football players might be on your television screen coming this fall full time. We'll get into that and plus a whole lot more fun. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports. Welcome back to the second half of the weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0, S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. You can follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kina underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at War Media. You can follow us on the audio version. Excuse me. You can follow us on our audio version at War on Anchor. Once again, at W-A-R-R on Anchor. We are available on all podcast platforms. For uh, YouTube, Every the videos drop every Monday and Friday. Once again, every Monday and Friday for the videos, they drop right here on YouTube. And on the audio versions, the, the podcast versions drops every Tuesday and Saturday. Once again, every Tuesday and Saturday at War on Anchor. We are available on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. 
Make sure you type in that search engine box on all podcast platforms, W-A-R-R or Anchor. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com, and you can follow us on all social media platforms, including here on YouTube at War Media, once again at W-A-R-R Media. That's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and right here on YouTube. Thank you in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Subscribe, subscribe, yes. subscribe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, we are unapologetically fun. Lakina, let's kick off the second half of the weekend edition of Second City Sports with more uh, NBA playoff talk. Let's go to the Western Conference. Let's get this series out of the way. First, Lakina, as of this recording, the Denver Nuggets trailed the Phoenix Suns uh, in the best of seven series, two games to none. It was a close game one. Phoenix pulled it out at the end. In game two, Phoenix totally dominated, and head coach of the Denver Nuggets, Mike Malone, um, said, uh, and paraphrasing, uh, during the end, uh, during his press at the end of the game two, that he felt like his team quit in the second half. Of course, games three and four are taking place in Denver this weekend. Of course, uh, you listening to this on a Saturday, game three has already been played. We'll give you, uh, we'll give you our thoughts about uh, game three. Uh, in game four in our next episode coming up on Tuesday for next week. Lakina, uh, I still, uh, even though I did pick Phoenix to win in seven, I find it hard to believe that the Denver Nuggets will just lay down and die for the rest of the series. Uh, they still had a chance to win game one. They came out as the aggressor, mm-hmm. but Phoenix had had just had enough to win in game one. Game two, uh, I'm not going to say that the Nuggets players quit, but it was just Phoenix's night. And I f- really find it hard to believe that Denver's going to lay down at home uh, in these next two games. Uh, we're going to talk about a, a very different series in our next episode. I just let's, find it hard to believe. Let's hope so, right? I mean, I, I think mm-hmm. I was really disappointed at how Denver looked. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that, you know, the, the, the Suns, I, I think, I, look, I, I've said it before, I think CP3 is on a mission. He recorded his second career playoff game with 15 points and 15 assists. And more importantly, zero turnovers, zero turnovers. You know, since turnovers were, they weren't even first, you know, tracked as a stat till the 77, 78 season. You know, all players have like four, you know, four each in the playoffs, you know, in playoff games, you know, one each by Magic, Jason Kidd. Here's some old school guys for you. Johnny Moore and Norm Nixon. That's how, you know, he's still, CP3 is the first, I'm on the first half with no turnovers. So, I mean, mm-hmm. like, I, like I, I, I'm kind of surprised. I think may, maybe the Nuggets were distracted because, you know, congratulations Nikola Jokic, who won MVP and deservedly so. Mm-hmm. We'll get, we'll talk about that in, the, in a minute. But then you know, that might have had something to play, something to do with it. I think Devin Booker. I think this is sort of like his time to sh- time to shine, right? This is like the star is born type moments. I mean, you know, yeah, he had 18 points. Just this balance, just balance scoring. By the Suns, I mean, all four, all five of their starters were in double figures. Crowder had 11, Bridges had 16, DeAndre had 15, and like I said, C- you know, CB3 had, you know, 17 points and 15 mm-hmm. assists. And then also Devin Booker had 18. He was three for seven from three. You know, even some, look, some contributors, that, some contributors from, you know, their, their guys off the bench. I mean, Torrey Craig had 10 off the bench, so... I, I, look, I think that just some ballad scoring there, and I think that's what you need if you're the Suns to win. That way you don't have to depend on Booker or CP3 so much. And also, too, they didn't have a lot of turnovers either as a team, as a whole. So I think that also that also helps, too, in, in that front. I mean, I, I think that the struggle is the whole thing for the Nuggets. I think they just – look, Aaron Gordon needs to step up. I mean, Austin Rivers, where are you, buddy? 
Where 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 are you? <laughs> the coach's son. <laughs> yeah, I mean, where are you? You know, Fonsono Campazzo. Like, where where are you, dude? Like, where 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 are you? Like, you only mm-hmm. had three points. I mean, you know, it was only one for five from three. So like, where like I mean, the Nuggets just really need to step up because if they if they don't, this series is going to be over with quickly. It sh- it shouldn't, and hopefully it won't be. But they need to get mm-hmm. it together. Yeah, as you mentioned, Lakina, where's Michael Porter Jr.? Where's uh, Paul Millsap? And <laughs> I know you're going to do that for those uh, listening to us on our, our podcast exclusively. Lakina's giving that binoculars look. I'm mm-hmm. sure you're going to do that for another player we'll talk about in a minute. Oh, yes. I'm waiting for you to say the name. Just waiting for you to say the name. I got a couple more for those of you to do as well. But getting back to Denver, where's Michael Porter Jr., Paul Millsap, and like I said, Austin Rivers? Uh, those guys will have to step up. Uh, Jokic cannot uh, do everything. No. I know he's your go-to guy, but he cannot do everything. Uh, Aaron Gordon, too, I'll put him on the list as well. I like him personally, but, you know, he's been in the playoffs a couple of times. I know Orlando were good teams, but he's on a better team now. He's expected to step up and now with the with the injury to Jamal Murray. So I'm going to put Aaron Gordon on that list, too. I think with Denver being at home from, for um, now, they're preparing for uh, game four uh, on Sunday. But with Denver being back at home, uh, the, the, that confidence should return. I'll, I'll be shocked if this series is 3-1 uh, Suns when we do our next episode. Yeah, and Djokovic will have his MVP trophy then, so hopefully maybe they can feed off mm-hmm. that energy from the Denver crowd. And look, I agree with what Michael Malone said. I mean, they basically, again, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but they basically just gave up. They didn't deserve to win that game on in game two. So hopefully, look, look, we know this Denver team is better than this better than mm-hmm. that so we know that they look they've shown that they can actually play as a cohesive unit without jamal murray so hopefully we'll see that because if we don't it's gonna get ugly it's gonna get ugly really quick so <laughs> i hope they can i hope they can get together these next couple of games yes let's turn over to the other western conference semifinal series for the playoffs the Utah Jazz have a commanding two games to none series lead over the Los Angeles Clippers. Lakina <laughs> watched the majority of, of this game on Thursday as well, following the White Sox game. The Jazz held on to a 117-111 win in game two. Donovan Mitchell scored 37 points in all. He scored 27 of those in the first half, struggled in the second half. But it was the other guys like Jordan Clarkson, uh, Ryan O'Neal, and Joel Ingles finally came through I know, for once. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, he was in, he was injured last year in the bubble. Bojan Bajanovic came through as well with some big three-point shots. So that's what carried the day for Utah, of course. Rudy Gobert with another double-double with uh, 13 points, 20 rebounds. He had about three black shots. Uh, he picked up his third Defensive Player of the Year award. Congrats to him on that. On the Deserving. flip side for the L.A. Clippers, uh, Paul George scored 27 points, grabbed 10 rebounds and dished out six assists. Lakina, uh, after Reggie Jackson hit that three-pointer to give the Clippers a one-point lead, 100-101, to uh, midway through the fourth quarter in game two, I thought the Clippers were finally turning the corner, but just like in game one, they struggled down the stretch. The Clippers only scored 10 points uh, the rest of the way. They missed a total of eight shots during that short stretch after Reggie Jackson's three-pointer, uh, which gave the Clippers the lead briefly. Uh, the Clippers failed to execute again down the stretch. You thought they finally yeah. solved it in the Dallas series. They did in that series. But in this series, they haven't. They blew a big lead in game one. As we told you guys in our last episode, it was going to be key how they would come out since they played a tough seven-game series against Dallas. Uh, uh, they blew a big lead in game one. Game two, they trailed for the most part, fought back, took the lead, but they could not put the nail in the coffin. 
I mean, Jesus, I, 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 I thought, <laughs> I, well, no, 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 let me, let me say this for a second now. I, I okay. thought that once they got, once they tied, I thought, okay, maybe, look, maybe they'll hit a couple of big shots and, you know, maybe they'll, you know, they'll, they'll get into it. They can turn the corner and tie the series. Well, what do you know? They, they, like you said, so they, they miss H in a row and just some like really questionable shot, shot, you know, making, they couldn't buy a shot for like five minutes and that yeah shot selection was very poor yes for the talking about the clippers yes yeah it was and for the jazz i mean look they they just couldn't they just were hitting all students for three-pointer they they hit 23 23 i think which is a franchise record for them to play in the playoffs Mm -hmm. um mitchell had 37 points which is the most by some by in two playoff games back-to-back playoff games a jazz player scoring at least 35 since carl malone did it way back in 1988 we're getting old, Lakina. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, I remember. I remember that. Um, but yeah, look, Joe Ingles at 19. You know, he looked like, like you said, he was missing from the bubble last year, and I think that's one of the reasons mm-hmm. why they were eliminated as early as they were the Jazz. So I think having him back, I think that'll definitely, you know, definitely should help them a lot. Um, you know, Gobert had 20 rebounds. You know, mm-hmm. it, the defensive rebounds in, in particular, he you know dominated on the inside, and that was also a problem because they. You know, once mm-hmm. the Clippers missed their shots, you know, there was nobody there un- under the basket to rebound. You know, Gobert actually was able to do it by himself for the Jazz. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just like just flabbergasted that this series, hopefully, you know, by the time we come back, hopefully this series will, you know, they can cut the lead because I think, I think the Clippers have the talent to do it. They just need more balanced scoring. I mean, you know, Marcus Morris Sr., where are you, buddy? Where are you? I mean, come on, <laughs> you know, Patrick Beverly, look, stop complaining and start shooting the ball better. You know, stop doing, you know, start, yeah, Nicholas Platoon, I mean, you were actually pretty good in the math series. Where are you? Where are you? So, come on, they need, look, same thing, like I said, with the Nuggets, I'm going to say so with the Clippers. They need to get it together or else this series will be over with and it will be over with quick. Yeah, you saw part of my thunder, but I'm still going to make this point anyway. You just had, made me alter this uh, this uh, this next intro. But Marcus Morris Sr. only had eight points off, off of four of 11 shooting, 0 for 5 from downtown. That's not going to get it done. Uh, Reggie Jackson, as I mentioned, he had a great game. He had 29 points. He was your leading scorer in the fall by Paul George's 27. Kawhi had 21. Uh, I didn't think he had that bad of a game, but – uh, it's your it's the role plays for the Clippers that's not getting it done. Nicholas Batum only has seven points in 27 minutes of action. That's not going to get it done. Uh, Patrick Beverly, as you mentioned, only three points, all for five shooting in 21 minutes of action. That's not going to get it done. Will Luke Kennard see more playing time? He only had three points in 10 minutes of action. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's going to be the thing, right? I mean, if you're what to do if you're Tyron Lue? I mean, it, it, it's it's just like you know, think those guys need to step up. The guys that are stepping up the Mass series, where are they? Where 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 are you guys at in the Jazz series? Jazz is actually they're, <laughs> look, they're the number one seed in the West for a reason. And, and look, Quinn Snyder's yeah. got his guys, you know, clicking on all cylinders right now. And look, if they mm-hmm. keep hitting their threes, if you know, Gobert dominates in the post, like I said, this, like like we talked about with the uh, Nuggets Sun series, this series will probably be over with too. So. Come on, Clippers, need to get mm-hmm. together. All right, you're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports, along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Before we move on to college football, uh, Kobe White, uh, the star two guard for the Chicago Bulls, uh, the second-year guard out of North Carolina, he had shoulder surgery 
earlier this week. He's going to be out for the next four months, and he's going to be reevaluated uh, right before training camp's supposed to start. It looks like the NBA, as we told you guys, they're going to be on schedule next year as they get back to their 82-game season. Lakina says, is this something to worry about? Or, uh, or I'm not going to say just roll your eyes and go on about your business, but uh, will it affect where, what uh, Arturis Kanishevis and Mark Eversley will do for this summer? Because let's be honest here, the Bulls still need a point guard. And we, we know uh, watching this past season, Kobe White is not a point guard. He's a scoring guard. He can still be a playmaker, but he's not sure the point guard that this Bulls team needs right now. I think the good, if there, if you can find some good news from this, I think the good news is, is that it happened in early June so that he can take the time to rehab and hopefully he can be back by the start of training camp since they're going to have like a full on an actual off season. So he'll be able to rehab. He'll be able to do what he needs to do at the worst case scenario. He, he, you know, he probably back to like before Christmas or something like that, or right before the holidays. So depending on how rehab is now, as far as them, look, they need, a, they're going to need a point guard anyway. So I, would say this doesn't really this shouldn't really deter them from getting that or perhaps trying to find somebody who could be a point guard that's something the Bulls have not had in a while so and they and they need one mm-hmm. desperately so if you know that that whoever that guy is if they can hold down the fort while Kobe is rehabbing you know look like I said the only look like I said the only bad thing is that you hate you know you were hoping that maybe he and Zach Levine and Patrick Williams could they were all planning to out, out west they were, they were planning to kind of start to work out together so unfortunately they're not gonna be able to do that you know, or may, at the very least limited so he are look he are look Kobe already had the surgery so he'll probably have to maybe wait a couple of weeks before he's able to resume basketball related activities so hopefully hopefully by August he'll be back he'll be mm-hmm. back by the time they'll, they'll be able to do it so he'll, he can start rehabbing and start you know maybe working out and maybe maybe he'll be back before training camp we'll just have to wait and see yeah, hopefully that everything goes uh, uh, the best for him. We wish him the best here on Second City Sports and he, uh, on a full and speedy recovery. Like I said, training camps will start in late September, early October for next season. Uh, the season usually starts in middle to late October. Me personally, I wish it starts in November, but I know we're in a different era now, so mm-hmm. that, there goes that. But uh, hopefully you'll recover in time for training camp. You'll actually have a preseason this year. Yes. You're not going to have this two-game preseason or four-game rush preseason like you did this past year you're gonna have a normal preseason about five or six games before mm-hmm. the season starts so and you'll have a normal training camp you won't be wearing masks or things of that nature so uh Kobe White will have some time hopefully he doesn't have any setbacks and this Bulls team will be ready to go because as we said uh throughout this past season uh this tire uh, Bulls roster will look totally different come 2022 yeah so shit We'll be interested to see what they do, and hopefully, look, wishing him nothing but the best. Hopefully, there are no setbacks. Mm-hmm. He'll be on track to come back by the preseason. All right, you listen to Second City Sports along with Cindy Brown. I'm Lakina McGee. Let's go to the gridiron now. This time, when the college gridiron said some stuff came up you know, early last week that they're going to be that the college football management committee, playoff management committee, I should say, is considering expanding the current four team field to a 12 team field. They meet in Chicago next week, early next week. You know, we could see this as early as 2023. The way it's set up this is according to Heather Dennis, who does a great job covering college football for ESPN. The way it's set up is that they have, like they think the four of the highest rated conference, conference um, champions, and then like, you know, some other 
some like some wild cards now. Let let me tell you how this would have was would have panned out had this had happened last year. Teams like Coastal Carolina, who was undefeated, would have made just made it in. Mm-hmm. Texas A&M would have made it in. Indiana would have made it. In. Iowa State, Florida, Cincy, Georgia, Notre Dame would have been able to sneak in there. I mean. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Of, what do you think about this, Sid? Because I, I, I kind of feel like they think they were going to wait a few years, but I think we all know this mm-hmm. is a money. This is a money issue. They can try to say, oh, it's yes. know, competitive balance and this and that. And yeah, I know Big Twelve are not, you know, they're not happy that they they missed the first year of this, but it's all about money at this point. So what, what do you think, Sid? <laughs> I remember we did the radio show back early in early last year in 2020, we had a friend of the show, Dan Wolken on from USA Today. Uh, we asked him about it, about it at the time. He said uh, they were going to make any decisions. They couldn't make any decisions uh, before 2025. It looks like now they're going to go back on that. And uh, the, the more teams in there, so be it. I know some people will say it will dilute the regular season. I don't think so. It'll just make the regular season that much more. And I know the second part people were brought up, well, well that means Notre Dame is out. Not true. They just won't qualify for a bye. You know this as well as I do. I heard somebody say this this morning. As long as Notre Dame can stay independent, they're going to do that to the day we all die, <laughs> which I agree with the, with the person that said that, as you guys may or may not know. Notre Dame has all their home games televised on NBC. They have been doing that since the early 90s, so it's been almost 30 years since that's happened. I don't see them and NBC break it up anytime soon. I just don't. Strange things have happened, but especially with NBC losing their cable channel at the end of the year, NBCSN, with them losing hockey, they're not losing Notre Dame football. They're not competitive in the college football market as it is. If they lose Notre Dame, there goes their whole sports department. They're just uh, just, uh, relying on golf, a little NASCAR here and there, horse racing, and then the Olympics every four years. NBC Sports cannot afford to lose Notre Dame football. Well, I think I like the fact that the way it's set up so no Notre Dame actually has to earn their way in. They can't, you know, yeah. you know, finagle and they you know, try, oh look, we got a good enough schedule. No. You have to kind of like you know, finesse and actually actually earn your way into the uh this playoff. And mm-hmm. look, I like the look, I like the idea of it, but I think that the reason behind it I think it's just absurd. I think we know this is a money thing, you know, this is sort of like, mm-hmm. you know, look okay, we have more inclusion, more compared balance. No, it's not. It, it's all to try to get more money. <laughs> And look, I like the fact that you know you're getting teams like the teams from the America, those group of five, those you know, you get the Power Five and the group of five. I mean, hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, the Pac-12 can get together and they'll be able to get you know uh, a Washington or a USC or UCLA back into that conversation. If you're a group of five, the American, you know, you you know, Cincinnati probably you probably could say Cincinnati could should have gotten in last year into mm-hmm. the playoffs. So I think this is a sort of a, a good thing. Now, how what will this do to the bowl system? You know, some games might be eliminated. You know, four to ten game bowl games might be eliminated. We you know, in, 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 I know that's money lost, but as far as competitive balance, I'm all for it. Yeah, because I mean, uh, five and seven, yeah, five and seventeen going up against another five and seventeen. That's not gonna look. I always have more bowls, more better, but I think that's just kind of dilutes the whole thing. So yeah, like I said, those major bowls are part of the um, championship uh, format as we have currently have it. The, the current format as we know it, anyway. So. Uh, those um, holiday bowls and the used to be the blockbuster bowl and the PlayStation bowl and the copper bowl no. and those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. stop, <laughs> stop. <laughs> I know it's a money grab for these schools, and you know, shout out to the kids, even though they don't get paid, they will soon, hopefully. Hopefully, but, hopefully soon. <laughs> but you know, those five, like you say, uh, eight and sixteen versus a five and six 
no, I don't never watch those. I'll never watch them. No one cares about them outside those two schools that are participating in them anyway. But yeah, well, so they, they get their money. They get to go on. A, they, get, they get to go to those those sites. You know, hopefully now yeah. everything's back to normal. Everything's opening up. You know, people will actually be able to mm-hmm. go on site now. So that that's you know that's you know the deterrent. But oh look, I, look, we'll see how this goes. I mean. We'll see what happens in a couple of years once this thing is fully implemented, assuming that it will be by, we'll, we'll, again, mm-hmm. we'll talk about probably about more by, by, the end of, by this time next week. But, I mean, it'll be very interesting to see what, what happens here because if we get to a point where, okay, you're going to have to expand it because like a 13th or a 14th team are going to be complaining about it. It, it, it. To me, I think that that stuff will never end, but at least it's That's what than- I thought when, when- – yeah, that's what I thought when I uh, when I had that I predicted that it, when it was going to expand it, they were expanded to eight. I said, if you expand it to eight, and that's it, I'm cool with it. Yeah. But if you expand it to twelve, it looks like that it was well thought out. I said, okay. But after that, that's it. Yeah, I'll say no more, no more. Yeah, no more. If they leave it at eight, cool. But if they stick with this twelve, it makes sense. Your top four teams get a buy, while the other schools battle it out, which makes sense because it's football. It's not basketball or hockey you play every other day. Yeah. But if, if you leave it at 12, cool. Or if you it's like someone it, actually thought it out for once. Well, if you leave it at eight, I mean, look, have your, your power five mm-hmm. ch- conference champion, then just have like three, you know, three like extra teams, whoever's like the best team, the best three teams after them. Now that's another mm-hmm. thing they're going to have to figure out. So we'll see what they do. Yeah. So I, 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 I like this plan. Actually, it puts more emphasis on the regular season. It puts more emphasis to win your conference. Especially, like you say, in those Power Five conferences. Yeah. Well, but I think the question is, and maybe you can answer this better than I can, will it dilute the conference championship games? Because those are money grabs, too. Will it dilute the conference championship games? Or let's just say in the Pac-12, Oregon was your regular season champion, and you, they played Utah, and Utah wins the conference championship game. They get the automatic bid. What does it do for Oregon? They just don't make it in? Well, Even though they're the regular season champion. Well, let me answer that by saying that would probably never happen because in the Pac-12, it's whoever is the top team, the, back, the Pac-12 North and the Pac-12 South. So if Oregon wins in the North and Utah wins the South and they both play each other, okay. that's, you know, and they, if they win that, that team gets into the, to the, uh, the playoff. That's how that would work. So it would, we okay. wouldn't see this where like, oh, well, we get the, the regular season champion. And the, no, no, no. Because a lot of these, okay. a lot it's of not these, kind of like college basketball. Yeah, okay. exactly. It's not yeah, a lot of these. Right. A lot of those conferences have divisions like North, South, you know, East, West division, whatever. So whoever the top team is in those divisions, they battle it out, and they whoever wins it, you know, they get you know that bid to the to the playoff. So it, yeah, so it's not we're not going to have that situation where like oh well you know a team can sneak in. No, no, no. It's all it's a divisional divisional thing. So your divisions. Whoever you're playing your division, that's going to be even more important now. Which makes sense. Okay. You're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. We're heading down the home stretch for this week's episode. Lakina, let's go to the NFL. Of course, I know um, training camps will take place uh, around this time next month in late July. I know many camps are going on across the league right now. But uh, two football uh, greats. Uh, well, looks like you'll be seeing them on your television screens on a regular basis coming this fall. First, Charles Woodson, Hall of Famer, former Heisman Trophy winner from his days in the University of Michigan. He won a 97 Heisman Trophy. He was with ESPN a few years ago. Of course, Fox uh, t- Television brought him along for the last couple of years. 
He appeared on Fox NFL Sunday. He appeared on, on Fox's uh, college football big new kickoff shows. And he did very well, so much that they gave Fox gave him a regular role on the Fox NFL kickoff show. That's the show with Carissa Thompson, Dave Weinstein, Colin Cowherd, Michael Vick, Tony Gonzalez. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know who else I'm missing. If I miss anybody, I apologize. But Charles Wilson, Charles Wilson will be added on to that staff as well. That's the show that that leads it off before the big guys at Fox NFL Sunday were Kurt Minifee, Terry Bradshaw, Jimmy Johnson, and and Tony Gonzalez and uh, Michael Strahan and those guys. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So look, I think he. So, so what do you think about Charles, Charles Wilson being added to I the Fox NFL kickoff? I think it's a good move for Fox. Yeah, I think this is a good fit for both of them. I think that I, I think they just didn't have enough room for him, for him over at ESPN. That's why he left. Mm-hmm. And I think he also wanted to kind of like freshen up his skills, so he took the time off, you know, freshen up his skills, got to Fox, and you know, we saw what happened there. Like he's gonna fit right in. I think I think they're training, you know, him and Bill Tony Gonzalez already there, but I think they're training him and. Tony Gonzalez, also Michael Strand to kind of take over for Jimmy Johnson, Terry Bradshaw. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you can probably put Howie, Howie Long in there too because those guys are getting up there in age. And I yeah. think they're like, like, I know, you know, Jimmy, Coach Johnson and Terry, they're in their 70s now. So yeah. I, I think, you know, they're, I think they want to, their stick can only last for so long. So I think they're kind of training, you know, Woodson and Strahan and then to kind of, you know, Try to take over for that the big you know Fox NFL Sunday, mm-hmm. but look I think he's the right fit for them. I think look that's a really solid you know pre pregame show if you want to call it that. And yeah, I think he's the right fit for them. And look I think he's gonna fit in just fine with that group. And you know we'll see what he does. Look he's a great personality. You know he's got charisma. Mm-hmm. He's going into the Hall of Fame later you know later this summer. So look I'm I'm happy for him. Yeah, I'm happy for him as well. Like as you mentioned, Terry Bradshaw has been there at Fox since the beginning. Jimmy Johnson, same thing. I know he took a, a break to coach the Dolphins in the late '90s, but you know he got back on the on Fox uh, after that, after the, following the 2000 season. So pretty much minus that gap, Jimmy Johnson's been there too. Harry Long's been there for day one as well. Yep. So uh, he's great at what he does. So yes, like you said, like you know, it's smart what Fox TV is doing. So uh, they'll be just fine. And also, too, in other news around the NFL television world, Alex Smith is drawing interest from CBS and Fox for a game analyst role. ESPN and NFL Network is also in the running for his services services to do studio work. Also auditioning for CBS NFL game day analyst positions are Joey Galloway and Mark Sanchez. That position is, has been opened up since Rich Gannon was notified he's not coming back because he did the games with Kevin Harlan for the last several years, the last mm-hmm. three years with uh, Chicago's very own Greg Gumbel. So first, Alex Smith. I think we talked about it uh, last season, Lakina. Don't be surprised if he ends up uh, somewhere on your television screen coming this fall. It looks like it's all but signed, sealed, delivered. It's just who's going to be the highest bidder for his services. Look, we said before when he retired a couple of months back, right? I mean, look, he's very smart. You know, he's very mm-hmm. engaging. He's got a great personality. I think we've said this, you know, when he retired. Look, he, look a, a, a network is going to be vying for his services, whether it's doing studio work where he does game work. I mean, they have an analyst job, a game analyst job open at CBS. He can do studio work, mm-hmm. too, if he wants. I think the ball's really in his court on what he wants to do. Look, he can talk about the quarterback. He's very analytical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was 
there were the few times I actually listened to Colin Coward. He was actually pretty good <laughs> around the Super Bowl. But uh, yeah, but, but yeah, look, I think look, this guy's living for him. Look, he'll have his his choice of what he wants to do. I mean, does he want to try? Like his kids are a little bit older, so he'll be able to travel and not worry about that. And look, I think. Mm-hmm. Like CBS would be lucky to have him, or any any of the networks would be lucky to have him. I know, mm-hmm. I know, Mark Sanchez has been itching to do some game work. He's done a great job of doing studio work for college football. The ESPN, ABC's college football covers the last mm-hmm. couple years. Same with Joey Galloway. He's done some game work. I know he wants probably wants to do NFL work since he you know, he played he played with the Lions for about I think like about six or seven years. So. And also, mm-hmm. I saw, I saw um, also Jay Gruden, you know, John's uh, kid brother. He also auditioned for a job over at Fox. They got an analyst position, a game analyst position open there too. So look, it's going to be great to see how these guys, you know, you know, fill in. But I'm, I'm look, I'm looking, I'm looking, especially with Alex Smith, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does, what he brings to the table. I think any aim that we're looking to have him. Yeah, going with Alex Smith first, um, because like you mentioned, the analyst position, a game analyst position is open at Fox because Chris Spielman, uh, left uh, before the end of the last season. He's now working with the front office with the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. But if you're Alex Smith, let's just say he gets hired by Fox. Do you put him in a booth right away with a, a high uh, announcer crew like Kevin Burkhardt? Uh, I assume, I know he worked with Darren Moose Johnson last year. Do you make that number two team a three-man booth with Greg Olson? Uh, I assume that Greg Olson is going to be working for Fox. I don't know if that's yes, official he yet. but he is. He so, is. But it is, is it going to work the number with the number two crew? We don't know because I haven't heard anything. If that's the case, then they'll move Alex Smith to another uh, announcer crew. You're not going to put him at number one with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. You're not going to make that a three-man booth. And so uh, assuming that Greg Olsen will work with Kevin Burkhart, assuming that they keep Darren Moose Johnson there with him, I can see that, but that's your number two team. But if you're Alex Smith, where are they going to put him? You're going to put him with Kevin Kugler? Because he replaced Tom Brennan for what he did last year. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about Brennan, but yeah. uh, who else they have over there? Um, I, I'm blanking out right now, but uh, you can. Well, you don't. You don't have Dick Stock to do go around anymore no, since he's, he's retired. retired so, <laughs> so. Uh, so uh, who else are you gonna pair him with? Uh, I'm I'm going blank for a moment, folks. You know, I know that Fox has other great announcers, but you have to put on some of those other mid-tier guys. Yeah. If he C- does game day work. Yeah, I mean, on the CBS side, I mean, look, we look, they've got a lot of great depth there on their analysts. I mean, he, pro- assuming that, you know, they decide to do, you know, bring somebody in to replace Rich Gannon with Kevin Harlan, do you put him there? Mm-hmm. Do you put him with a little bit further down? Do you start him off with our, our buddy Spiro Ditas? Do you mm-hmm. start maybe Andrew Catalan? I can see that. Yeah, yeah, that could work. Maybe Andrew Catalan, you know, I know he and James Love have been working there the last few years. Do you put him? Do you put do you put you know Alex Smith with him and with them and make it a three man thing or do you um, do you make you know kind of make room and sort of like shuffle things around? Do you probably perhaps put him at number two with Ian Eagle and Charles Davis? I I don't know. They, I actually, doubt it. I don't think they're gonna do that. But I, like I said, mm-hmm. on the Fox side, I don't think they're gonna put um, you know Kevin Burkhardt. Do you put him with Kevin Burkhardt and Greg Olson? I think and make that your number two team. You know, two office of guys. I mean, that'd be, you know, that'd be pretty cool. And Kevin Burger kind of be the quarterback there. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think, look, I think there's a lot of analyst positions that are open. I think with Fox, they may, they may promote with, from within and put a key to leave who did a, actually a pretty good job and put him in that number five slot. And maybe perhaps maybe you start him in the studio, maybe start Alice Smith in the studio. So I don't know. We'll see. I think mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of names that are going to be flowing around and there might be some changes, you know, this season. Yeah. But we'll he, see. He, here's a, a, a now, here's a Fox announcer. He does everything, almost all sports. Uh, Kenny Albert, 
Yeah. I, I know uh, uh, he's he's worked with just about everyone mm-hmm. uh, at at Fox as far as analysts concerned. Moose Johnson, of course, Rondé Barber, who wasn't yes. brought back a couple of years ago. But do you put Alex Smith with Kenny Albert? Because I know he's done he did a great yeah. job with Jonathan Vilmer last year. Yeah, I, I'm assuming that Vilmer is will be brought back. Yeah. I hope so because I know he did a couple of Bears games, especially uh, early last year. So let's say Jonathan Vilmer uh, did a great, a very uh, good job last year. Do you make that? a three-man booth if you put Alex Smith with Vilmer and Kenny Albert. Yeah, that could, I could probably see him do that. You know, maybe maybe not necessarily stun him at the top two or three, maybe some at the mm-hmm. four, or five, four or five tier guys. I mean, yeah. like, I think there's, you know, look, I think there's going to be like a lot of like a lot of finagling here. I mean, I'm, look, I, like I said, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of numbers are going to be vying for Alex Smith services. Look, if he wants to do college, I mean, look, he had a really good career when he was at the University of Utah with Urban Meyer. Yeah. Maybe perhaps, you know, maybe ESPN, especially if Mark Sanchez decides to move on and go somewhere else, or maybe they put him in the game analyst saying, do they start Alex Smith off in the studio, you know, with Kevin Nagani? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a great you – know, him and Booger McFarland. I mean, that's, that could be a nice yeah. thing. You know, I, I can see him talking college football. I say he had a great career in college at Utah, so I can see him doing that too. Yeah, he has options, so we'll see what happens with Mr. Smith as he goes to his post-football career. You're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. Lakina, let's close out this week's show by celebrating the 30-year anniversary of a, of a great sporting event that took place right here in Chicago. Well, technically not here in Chicago, but it involved uh, the Chicago Bulls, of course. Uh, June 12th, which is today for those of you listening on our podcast, mm-hmm. June 12th, 1991, the Great Western Forum, the 1991 Chicago Bulls were coming off a 61 and 21 regular season, the best at that time, the best record of the franchise. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago as we celebrated the 30th anniversary of the Bulls finally getting past those sorry hated Detroit Pistons. I'm keeping it clean for the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the uh, sweeping the Detroit Pistons. On this date 30 years ago, they eliminated Magic Johnson in the Los Angeles Lakers by the score of 108 to 101, bringing the, the now first of six NBA titles in the 90s to the city of Chicago. Lakina, I remember that game five, five like it was yesterday. Of course, James Worthy and Byron Scott did not play in that game, but the Lakers were very competitive in that game. They should have won the game, but he had two stud rookies who, had, who actually had good NBA careers the guard Tony Smith, mm-hmm. and big man Eldon Campbell. Yeah, Both those guys played well in, in, on uh, filling in for James Worthy and Byron Scott. Of course, the Bulls tried about one in halftime. And of course, uh, the Lakers took the lead in the third quarter. But in the fourth quarter, if you guys saw the last dance of you or you watched uh, uh, Learning to Fly, the official home video for the Chicago Bulls 91 championship, you can catch it right here on YouTube, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, looking at the footage from the NBA Entertainment, Bulls head coach Phil Jackson told Michael Jordan who was open. It was John Paxson. Mm-hmm. John Paxson scored 26 points to, to finish off the game five victory. He had four jump shots in a row. He had a breakaway layup as well. Of course, Michael Jordan won finals MVP. Of course, if you remember during the post game show of that year, I read a story many years ago that said the NBC then couldn't get off the air until they talked to Michael Jordan, which they did. Because he, of course, he won uh, the Finals MVP. If you remember, Bob Costas, of course, this was the first year of the NBA on NBC. If you remember, during the post game celebration, Bob Costas interviewed 
like three or four bulls before they interviewed Scotty Horace, Craig Hodges, yeah. friend of the Dean Davis show, by the way. He interviewed about three or four bulls. After each player that he interviewed, where's Michael? Where's Michael? Where's Michael? Mm-hmm. I, I said, if you can play a drinking game, you can sip on a beer every time <laughs> uh, Bob Costas said that. And so, of course, he interviewed Michael Jordan. Of course, Michael Jordan at that time, his wife, Juanita, was sitting right next to him. Of course, Bob Costas called Juanita Michael Jordan's mom. And Juanita looked at him and was like, I'm his wife, you fool. <laughs> if you looked at it, he saw her facial expressions. But, of course, Michael Jordan was his first of six titles. Of course, uh, Michael Jordan was in his seventh year in the NBA. He finally got past the bad boy Pistons. Uh, and uh, he finally got, got in that, in that, over that hurdle of winning the NBA championship. At that time, uh, he was called selfish, uh, a scoring, a, a person who led the league in scoring would never win the NBA title. He disputed, um, he put that uh, uh, ignorant statement to bed. Uh, and it, as we didn't know at the time, Lakina, but we saw a legend grow on Michael Jordan, which he ruled the NBA for the 90s. Yeah, I think this is sort of like started the dynasty for the Bulls, right? I mean, yes. they were able to exercise those demons and beat Detroit to get you know, to the NBA Finals. Look, that was still a pretty good Lakers team. We didn't know what was happening with Magic's help. We didn't find out about that until like a couple of months after that. And also, too, yeah. like you said, you know, they were they were shorthanded. I mean, look, Tony Smith had a really good career. Elton, Elton Campbell had a really good career. I remember seeing him in college. You know, it just makes me feel. I know how old I am, folks. I don't don't need to, <laughs> need to look. I know, look. I know. Look, let's 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 stop it. But I, I mean, but I think the Lakers were starting to get older too. So I, I think that I think that kind of played a part as well. I think you know Byron Scott and James Worthy. They were kind of nursing injuries. They were starting to have injury issues. So mm-hmm. I mean, look. I think that look. I think this sort of started the dynasty for the Bulls. Sort of like their dominance. And look, I, look. I remember that Learn to Fly video. I used to play the mess out of that video when I was younger. So same that, here. <laughs> yes. Who, who didn't? Yes. Who didn't? Right. I mean, look. It's on YouTube Thank now. You. So it's on YouTube now, folks. So don't worry if you if you don't know how the videos anymore. But I think look. I think that was an all-out team effort. You saw how excited the city was. You know. Yes. It, pretty much. Yes. It's pandemonium. You know. Everything's were. You know. We won't rehash any of that. But. It, it's definitely like it was a great day to be a sports fan, even for non-sports fans, because we hadn't, you know, sports fan, non-sports fans hadn't really celebrated like that since the Bears won the Super Bowl a few years prior. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that was sort of a nice, you know, nice way to kind of like cap off that. And I, I, I kind of feel like this is sort of like one of those sort of like started of a dynasty games where you kind of felt like, okay, you know what? This might this might be a special thing here, and I think at the time they probably didn't know that this is going to be a start of a big mm-hmm. uh, a start of a dynasty. But it's you know you're feeling you know you got to feel pretty good. I think the memories are always there, and I think you know yes, all the stuff that happened you know that transpired before and after that. But you know you're feeling mm-hmm. like okay, it's a yeah, it gives you good a good feeling. Yeah, I'm trying not to tear up right now, but like as I tell people all the time, like I remember about that first championship because, like I said, my late mother and her family friend, which lives in this building with me, uh, they had season tickets and and uh, I tell people all the time the uh, uh, Magic and Michael matchup was great, but the first championship I remember is uh, the first people I tell uh, the first thing I tell people about that '91 championship was getting by the Pistons. Of course, we we. Uh, we told you guys about what happened during the, the couple episodes ago, but we all know about the uh, history between those two franchises. So getting over the Detroit Pistons, that's what I remember the most, more than them being the Lakers. Yeah. 
So again, by Detroit. I'll, I'll share a quick story with you guys uh, before we close out. My late mother has season tickets, so she took me to game one of this series, which was the only game they lost in this series. Michael Jordan missed a, a potential last-second shot. I remember asking her or before she passed, did she remember what happened on that day? And I, I remember uh, I, I didn't turn 11 until later on that year. My birthday's late in the year, so I, technically I was 10 years old at the time. I remember she was driving on the day and she said, I had to go back home because I forgot something. She forgot the tickets. And this is, oh, especially for you young folks, listen, you didn't have apps, you didn't have your cell phones, you didn't have internet back then, so you had to have everything physically on you back in those days. So she left early enough, she turned around, we, she went back home, picked up the tickets, got back on the day and rang, came back to the old Chicago scene, which they were playing in those days. And they weren't even building United Center yet. Mm -hmm. But uh, she came back to United Center, uh, got our place apart, we made it there, about at least 10, about 10, 15 minutes right before tip-off because the, the game one took place on that Sunday afternoon. I just remember being around the stadium. The atmosphere was tremendous. Of course, it was the first time the Bulls were in the championship round. But remembering that game, it was a competitive game. Of course, the Bulls started off ugly, but they fought back in. Of course, Michael Jordan missed the last second shot. But as he said in the last dance, I'm talking about Michael Jordan, the Bulls could have won that game. They didn't even play well. Of course, we all mm -hmm. saw what happened after that. I remember going home as, as I was driving home, walking out the stadium. I was I was trying to keep my head down because I didn't want people looking at me crying because my favorite player missed a potential game-winning shot. Now, as I was thinking at that time that the Bulls were going to lose the series, that wasn't on my mind. I was just mad that they lost game one. It came down to the last shot, and Jordan missed it. But the, the play before, Sam Perkins, uh, Jordan's former college teammate hit the game-winning three-pointer to give the Lakers the lead, which eventually they will win. But you you could barely hit a, hear a pin drop when Sam Perkins hit that shot with under 20 seconds left. But the Bulls had a chance. Uh, of course, they didn't get it done. But uh, as you said, we, we didn't know at the time that the Bulls were going to start a dynasty. We were just happy as a city that we had the number one athlete in the world, the number one basketball player on the planet, and uh, the Bulls, we were just happy that the Bulls, at that time, they were celebrating their 25th anniversary season. For the first time in franchise history in 25 years, the Bulls actually won something. We had a team outside the, the Bears that actually won a major championship in this town. The Sox didn't win yet. Of course, the Cubs didn't win yet. The Blackhawks at that time didn't win yet. They didn't win the Cup. Uh, the last time they won the Cup was uh, 1961. So, uh we as Chicagoans didn't have uh, these flurry of championships like we've been experiencing for the past decade, decade and a half. So uh, it was big for the, for the Bulls at that time. And I don't know if you remember, Lakeen, I think you catch some highlights of it right here on YouTube, but I still have the original DVD from Mom's VCR. Did you do you remember them being on the Oprah Winfrey show for the whole yes. show? Yes, they were. Yes, I remember. <laughs> I remember there was like pandemonium in that area and on State and Yes, Lincoln. the Lover Bulls were there. Yes, everybody the Lover Bulls were there. there. Not the whole team, but uh, I'm not. Like I'm top, not googling kind of like folks. The top, yeah, the top. Yeah, that's sort of like the top guys were there. Like Scotty. Yeah, Scotty, uh, Scotty, was, Scotty there. was there. Michael was there. I think Craig Cliff Levinson. Livingston was no, there. No, Craig wasn't there. Yeah, oh, Craig wasn't on the show. Okay. Uh, okay, Cliff Levinson was on the show. He was there. Uh, was Paxton, yeah, no, Paxton Scotty and Michael. Paxson wasn't yeah, there. Paxson right? wasn't there. I don't believe. Uh, a rookie named Scott Williams was on the show. He got his 15 minutes of fame. Yes, he did. So, yeah. so it was, Yeah, like, Scott it was, Williams, I believe. Yeah, if I get, forget somebody else, forgive me. But they only have four or five people on that team. I believe that was it. Yeah, that was it. Who they, was on they, Oprah. Yeah, they were. I only think. Cody, I believe that was it. 
Yeah, Coach Geo, Coach Geo Jackson wasn't there either. So yeah, no coach was on that show. No, yes. just those four or five players that I mentioned. But yeah, they were on uh, Oprah's show, and uh, it was just pandemonium at that time. I really wanted to go to the rally in Grand Park that day, but um, uh, I remember my mom told me it was uh, it was too damn hot. Uh, yeah, I it was. It was like uh, I understand. I remember it was 87 degrees at that yeah, day. It was like, like, almost, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it was very <laughs> mucky. Yeah, so it wasn't gonna work. So yeah, so a nice, you know, nice, um, a nice memory. If if you guys get a chance, yeah. you know, check the game out if you want to watch. It, if you don't have it like saved anywhere, so I will after this. I'm gonna pop yeah. in that DVD. <laughs> yeah, watch so. the whole game. In the whole parade. Absolutely. Not a parade. Not not to put a damper on it, Lakeen. I know we gotta get up out of here, but. I wish that old Mayor Daly, I'm talking about Mayor Daly, is something for you younger folks. I wish, and I know, uh, especially during the first couple, they were uh, prepared. They, that's why they did the rally, because what happened with the Bears uh, parade in 85, of course, it was cold as hell in January in 86. And, of course, the the, bus, the team buses for the Bears were modeled by a whole lot of people. I, I understood that at that time the city was trying to stay away from that. But I wish one time, and I'm blaming old Mayor Daly for this, I wish they would have had a parade one time for the Bulls. They deserved it. During six consecutive rallies, they, <clears throat> like I said, I'm trying to end on a positive note, but I wish one of those years they would have had a parade downtown. It was great what they did for the Sox in 05. Great. I know I'm saying this selfishly because I'm a Sox fan. And they did the same thing for the Cubs in 2016. Yes, great did. for them. And they did the same thing for the, for the Hawks in those three Stanley Cup titles. And it was during the summer too, folks. Good for them. Yeah. But you couldn't do the parade not one time for the Bulls. Not one time. That is inexcusable. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting to see what what happens. You know, it's sort of like weird how they did it, but I can understand why they did it for Mm -hmm. kind of for safety reasons and such. You know, you saw, if you saw the Grand Park, I mean, those parades were packed. So I can kind of understand why. Plus, it's it's a bigger like area. So you can kind of, you know, control sort of the crowds a little bit more than you would downtown so i think that's probably why they did what they did but you know i'm just it's just my guessing but we'll see all right no go ahead Sid. no no no, go ahead go ahead (laughs) no no, i'll say well if you want to look you know for all you soccer fans out there the euros is starting you know right now so you know it's supposed to happen last year it's happening this year france is the favorite also belgium and spain Germany is also up there as well. So those are your, your, your favorites. Those of you who are big soccer people out there, you know, check it out. You know, check it out. I mean, there's going to be a lot of you know, great players. And look, it didn't happen last year, of course, because of the pandemic. So, but it's back again this year. You can watch the matches on ESPN and ABC and also ESPN Networks, also ESPN Plus, I'm sure. So for all you soccer fans, you know, European soccer fans in particular, this is sort of the time of year for you. So busy, going to be a busy time of year for the soccer fans with, with this and the Olympics coming up in, a, in about a month. But so, but the Euros are starting right now. So let's kick it. Yep. All right, Lakina, close us out. Another great show. Yes. Yeah, it was great. another great show. Uh, we had a lot to talk about. We we got through it. So uh, I'm I'm about to <laughs> I'm about to go enjoy my weekend and rewatch this Bulls game five Lakers nine from 1991. <laughs> uh, so I'm and I'm gonna share a couple of tears, uh, but uh, tears of joy uh, for the most part. But uh, I'm gonna celebrate this anniversary in, in, in my way, my style. So uh, let me shut up. You close us out. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow me at Kenan McGee on the Twitter and at Kenan underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow your truly Sydney Brown on the Twitter and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. 
You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W A R Media. Videos drop every Monday and Friday. Once again, videos drop every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube at War Media. You can catch up uh, our audio version slash podcast version of Second City Sports. Those drop every Tuesday and Saturday. Once again, every Tuesday and Saturday for the audio version at War on Anchor, which keeps you on the Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, and that iHeartRadio app on all podcast platforms. Make sure you type in a search engine box, W-A-R-R on Anchor. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. And you can follow us on all social media platforms. It's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, 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 and tell your friends. Yes. For Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You've been listening to another edition of Second City Sports. Have a great weekend. I know uh, parts of the country are dealing with thunderstorms, while other parts of the country are dealing with the heat, including us right here in Chicago. So stay cool, stay safe. I know things are opening back up. As we always say, take care of yourself, respect others, and we'll get through this together. We, we come a, a long way. We are here. Let's just keep moving up in training in the upwards direction down well, well downwards with as in this case but uh, yeah absolutely so for sid i'm lakina <laughs> this is the second city sports zoom style enjoy all the sports you have the, you know, the euro and the french open of course nba and baseball so stay safe everybody we'll see you next week till next time holla <laughs>